Before we begin today's show, as 2020 comes to a close, we're presented with the opportunity to look back on the unforgettable year it's been. It's why 30 for 30 Podcast has just released a new standalone episode titled March 11th, 2020, which we all remember as the day that changed everything. The podcast features interviews with many of the people who witnessed this transformation firsthand, including Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert and ESPN's own Doris Burke. If you want to check it out, you can subscribe to 30 for 30 Podcasts wherever you find your favorite shows. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Wednesday afternoon. And uh, joining us, because it's Wednesday, from Dallas, is Tim Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Just a few minutes ago, was playing Papa Shot, delaying the podcast start. Oh, no. I think that we are delayed by your celebrity coming off of the jump. Now, we were actually time delayed by shot. Wake Forest scoring a meaningless touchdown against Wisconsin, which delayed the jump, which delayed the start of this podcast. Yeah, it was, a, it was an off game for me and Papa Shot. I have cracked triple digits, though, just for the record. And joining us from Oakland, California, is Mark Spears from The Undefeated. How's I don't it going, have Papa Shot. I don't have you know? Papa Shot. I have a PlayStation that's sitting in a box. Um, Five? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't need the new one. Wow. You you, pay, you paid more for that PlayStation 5 no, than no, I No, I'm sorry. Oh. I got the PS4. Let me shut up. Oh, you I don't even... What, I mean, what does the 5 do? It... it I don't know. I I mean, I uh, I have an Xbox One, so don't have. <laughs> wow, Atari, you got Atari. <laughs> I don't think I've played video games since PlayStation Two, which obviously that, that's a while back. I played Lisa well, Salters and um, Madden in the bubble, and she kicked my ass, and I haven't played mm. since. So. Madden, uh, I, re- I reached a point where Madden got too complicated for me, and I was man, I am old, man, I am old. <laughs> You're from the Tech Mobile generation. <laughs> Listen, pit, I love pitch left uh, or right to Bo Jackson. I love Tech Mobile, man. Definitely. No, Super Tech Mobile, they kept stats. That was the first game I ever had where, um, you know, you could like have your guy like lead the league in rushing. And, you know, mm-hmm. this profession, I mean, I was so into that. Um, NBA Live, I, when I was in college, NBA Live uh, 97. I was always the Dallas Mavericks, and my roommate was the uh, Phoenix Suns, ah. and uh, my co- uh, college roommate, and we would have wars. Uh, young Dirk, actually, no, maybe, I, it was maybe it was, was NBA say, Live yeah. 99. Maybe it was NBA Live would anybody be the 1997 Dallas Mavericks? Brad 99. Davis. <laughs> 99. <laughs> uh, I think Brad Davis was, was gone. He was gone by then. Okay. Yeah. NBA Live, uh, like 2001, maybe. I it was the Mavericks and he was the Suns. Maybe that was another. Okay, anyway, 2001, yeah. If the Nash Dirk, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, but I'm before you All get right. going, I'm going to even go older school on you. I used to love Magic versus Bird. Oh, yeah. One on one game. That, that, oh, that's yeah. actually a game they should redo now, which I think people will buy into instead of playing five on five, just playing one on one with but your you. Best but player. Uh, you could do more than just Magic versus Bird, right? Wasn't there four players? Oh, was there was all Magic kind of Bird? players, but they were like, yeah, that's who it was named after, right? But I think they had like one guy or maybe a couple of guys from every team. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, and then NBA Jam got hot, you know. Oh yeah, um, back in the day, double dribble. Yeah, I like that double stupid dribble game line. for some reason. <laughs> Troy, our producer, who's 24, is like, what are you guys talking about? Double, I'm going to cut all of this out. Double dribble. Double dribble. Um, if you could, if you hit like one, you could only shoot threes from the corners, but that was, maybe it was ahead of its time. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, speaking of uh, shooting threes from the corner, actually, you know, it was a big game tonight. I wish we were doing this podcast late um, because I'm kind of fascinated, but I, you know, we, we have time constraints, but uh, uh, we won't. You guys, by the time you hear this, will know what happened, but we don't yet. Nets playing the uh, Hawks tonight in Brooklyn. Durant and uh, Kyrie scheduled to play. Fascinating start f- to the season for uh, both these teams. And um, that's refer to them as the undefeated Atlanta Hawks. While well, we yeah, they're while undefeated we as we speak. We don't know if they're undefeated as this podcast is released, but uh, um, 
they are undefeated. They have not played the hardest schedule, but nonetheless, they've they've played while Trey Young has put up huge numbers. Um, but now the Nets, obviously, uh, you know, having to deal with a life without Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Spears, what do you think is the Nets' outlook now that they lost Dinwiddie? Uh, obviously, you've spent a lot of time around Durant. You know a lot about about how he looks at this situation. Um, regardless of what happens tonight, you know, what, what do you think the Nets' outlook is now that they lost Dinwiddie? Well, I, I, I do think they should add a veteran guy because um, you, you know there's going to be a lot of nights. Well, I don't know if we could call it a lot of nights, but nights where Kyrie is going to be out. Uh, just like he was the other night. And so what What do they do? And, then, and I think that was the luxury of having, you know, Dinwiddie. He could just flow into that spot, um, you know, fill in the points void, the veteran void, and, uh, you know, kind of give him a great makeshift bridge uh, until Kyrie got back. So now, like, who is that guy? I, I, I can't even tell you that little dude's name. Was it starts with a C. Like, Chris, Chris Joza. Yeah, like he he's interested. I don't I don't know if he didn't reincarnate JJ Barrera as a guy, you know. But yeah, I, no, I just I, heard you say Chioza JJ Barrea, which I, that might have caused my computer to go on the fritz. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, there's there's a I guess a handful of interesting free agents right now. I I did think that they were going to re-sign Jamal Crawford. Was kind of surprised that they didn't. He thought they were going to bring him back. Guess what? Troy Daniels, Mario Hazonja, Shabazz Napier, Emmanuel Moutier, Gary Payton Jr. Um, I mean, those are names. None of those guys are. No, but but I guess but where I'm getting at is, do you make a trade for somebody or do do you take one of these veteran free agents? Yeah, that's a good point, uh, McMahon. Because you know, like at the end of the day, when it when it matters, uh, you figure Kyrie and Durant are going to play in all the games. But right. during the season. Kyrie and Durant are going to sit games and you have to figure Kyrie, you know, he does get dinged up a little bit and he, you know, he occasionally will miss some games for stuff. Uh, and like, you know, we've talked about in this pod, like the East is really tightly, tightly packed. And, you know, you, there, you know, you go through a little bit of losing streak cause you don't have a lead guard. You know, it can be the difference between having the two seed and having the six seed. I, I don't know how pressing they feel this is, but I know that this is a year where there's uncertainty in the East. Well, uh, and, and I think optimistically, you say, okay, you hope Kyrie plays 60 of 72. So, you know, like you said, the, the difference between being eight and four, seven and five, and four and eight in those dozen games he's not going to play, that, that can be the difference between a home court advantage for a couple rounds and, and opening up the playoffs on the road. And, you know, I, I think they have they, they have to look at that crop of free agents. Uh, obviously, Jamal Crawford went to the bubble with them, so there's some certainly some familiarity there. Um, but, you know... And there's no, guys out, I mean, you could like... You could maybe get George Hill, for example. Right. I, I think yeah. they have to aggressively explore the trade market. And, you know, obviously the first thing people talk about when you talk about the Nets in the trade market is James Harden. I've seen a lot of people speculate that uh, Dinwiddie's injury, that that ends any possibility of the Nets getting Harden. I mean, it doesn't improve it, but there wasn't going to be a straight up Houston-Brooklyn trade anyway. You know, and and as Dinwiddie's a nice player, but a 27-year-old guy who can opt out of his contract after this year, he was never going to be uh, a main piece in that deal anyway, you know, especially if like, there's just not a fit team for team. Brooklyn was always, or Houston together, they were always going to have to find a third team. I don't think that really moves the needle much on what I would say are probably a slim chance they have of getting hard in there. Um, but to your point, you know, George Hill would be a, would be a great fit there. And look, if you want to add to Sam Presti's first round pick collection, I'm sure he can be had. Yeah. It's got to be careful. They're renting players for first round picks. It's obviously been done before and with the Nets may have to wait a while to see, but you know, I, I do think um, one thing that is a key here, they will apply for a disabled player exception, which they can, uh, which they can use. It'll probably be about five and a half million dollars, which they can use to trade for a player or to sign a player. Um, and obviously, you know, there's not a lot of guys out there you'd pay right now at 5 million bucks, but later on, 
guys could get bought out and become available and you could bid on them. The key with a disabled player exception is that you can, the guy can only have one year on his contract. Um, you can only trade for a guy using that exception with just one year. So it narrows the field a little bit about who you could trade for, but there are players out there who could fit that bill. And, um, and that's something, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it feels kind of strange on one hand guys to be talking about uh, transactions that teams could be making as we are here at the turn of the year, you know, we teams have played a week of basketball, but I got to tell you, as I talk to the executives out there, there are already teams who are like, well, that team's going to be a seller. This team's going to be a buyer. That guy could be available. And, and in this, the shortened season and the season that starts later than normal, I do think that we could see potentially teams moving a little bit quicker uh, on those types of, of choices, especially because I really do think the tightly packed nature of the league is going to lead to this. I mean, you know, and all I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers are kind of at the top. I think the Bucks feel like they're right there. Um, but when you get from like teams four through about 15, maybe 12, depending, there's not a huge amount of difference in those teams. And those teams are going to start feeling pressure to improve because they're going to see where the standings are. Well, and to your point about, well, you mentioned the standings. This is as, as talented as the Eastern Conference as I've seen in a while. I mean, to me, there's like six teams that could contend to go to the finals in the East. Um, should I rattle off the teams, or do you think that's a game? Yeah, I want you we've to get to six. We've talked about it on this pod. I, you know, tell the Pacers they're not on that list. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's seven. I need, I need yeah. more than a good week. Yeah, but to All me, right. to, I'll tell them that they're not on the list. <laughs> uh, the point I'm making with that is, if it makes the one and two seeds, I think really valuable because I, I do think it's going to be a bigger battle royal in the East than we've seen in a while. So if if you could get number one, and I guess maybe what that could be the Hawks, not not that the Hawks are I guess easy anymore, but it's still early for that too. Um, I'd rather certainly play them in the first round and play Boston or Philly or you know Toronto, whoever. Um, but uh, the way the East is looking, maybe maybe that shouldn't be a concern because there's no easy out anyway. And what what is home court? Other than you just getting able to being able well, to sleep in your bed and not flying, you know what? You know? I mean, who knows what home court's going to look like? Yeah, in in Come May. that time, right? Um, do I hey, think but, that? But 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 here's the thing: Are we <laughs> we getting the vaccine tomorrow? I mean, I know. <laughs> well, we, we you know we don't know about that. We, we yeah, we, we just it's, don't it's know. Too much in the air. But I would say that if you're if you're going to bet as an organization, you should bet that there's going to be fans in arenas by the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I especially think, it depends on what state you're in too. That's my true. state. I don't no, know. I agree with that. I McMahon agree with state. That. Oh, bring them in. Open the doors. Ohio just cleared the Cavs to have 2000 fans uh, yesterday. And not that the Cavs, I think are going to necessarily going to be in the playoffs, but the, the experts do believe that the vaccine is going to be, you know, wide enough circulated where I do think that there's going to be some home court that is going to exist um, in, by the spring. Here's the other thing. The teams, like you look at a team like Washington, they're 0-4. 0-4, you know, look, the Raptors are 0-3. I mean, no one's, you know, well, maybe some people are saying, you know, lighting them on fire. But, you know, Washington is under an amount of pressure. And they're already four games behind the Orlando Magic, a team that I think that they're going to be in a fight with for the eighth seed and maybe even in a fight with to make the play-in tournament. And if you don't make the playoffs, if you're Washington, Scott Brooks is probably going to get fired. And who knows what Bradley Beal is going to say. And so, like, the pressure on Washington is already starting. And we get a, we get three weeks from now, that pressure is going to be there for other teams too because everybody is so tightly grouped. And that's why I actually think that Harden is going to end up getting traded and he's going to probably end up getting traded when there's several teams making offers, because I just think that we're going to get to a spot, McMahon, where there's going to be a few teams out there that are sitting there in the middle saying, how can we elevate out of this 
this sort of muck in the middle here, boy, we could just go all in and, and get James Harden. And that's what I think the Rockets are banking on. And we're all paying attention to this, to the um, Sixers, but it could be another team. It could be a team that's sitting in the middle there, um, a team like Toronto. You know, Toronto, mm-hmm. the situation that Toronto is in right now is not all that different from where they were when they traded for Kawhi Leonard. And the trade would be different for a lot of different reasons. But, um, you know, I, that's why I think this is going to be an unpredictable year in terms of transactions. Well, I and, and I hear you. And I do think that the Rockets are approaching this the right way in terms of being patient, being very firm. You call it a high asking price. They call it a fair asking price for a you know a perennial MVP who can come straight out of quarantine and, and drop 44 and 17. I mean, there ain't too many dudes like that. Um, I, I just keep coming back to Philly uh, for for a few reasons. Number one, obviously, the familiarity between uh, Maury and and Harden, and you know we know how much Maury loves James Harden. And then I think the bigger reason is just the the simple fact that I think it's a it's very it's a lot easier to construct a deal with the 76ers. You know, you you've obviously Ben Simmons is a centerpiece. They've got some intriguing young players on the roster. Um, that I think they could fill in for picks. Um, and I just think that of the players that are possibilities, Ben Simmons is, is clearly the best potential centerpiece that the Rockets could get in a deal. And I think Philly has, you know, the Tyrese Maxey, Thibel, uh, Shake Milton, you know, and before we even get to talking about picks, I think they've got a lot of, uh, of kind of complimentary young assets that would be of, of great interest to the Rockets. Yeah, I, uh, going back to Washington real quick, I mean, I, I don't know if it jumpstarts everything, but they, they do get Rui Hashimura um, back, and he, he averaged 13 points as a rookie. I think he's a could be a really good complement to their two stars. So hopefully that that will help Washington a little bit. And Man, to you, McMahon, you uh, every time I hear that Ben Simmons thing, I'm like, if Houston can do it, man, push the button. <laughs> well, because I, I don't, I one, I love probably Ben more than most. I, I, I think he'll do great under Doc this year too. But I mean, I don't know that you could get much better than an, another All Star like him. And then I'd probably pluck Maxi from him, Houston kid. Um, you know, Dallas could, kid, Dallas kid, Dallas, my bad. Come Texas on now, kid. don't do that. <laughs> my bad, you're right. Texas kid um, who could learn a lot from John Wall. And, um, you know, I think he has a huge, huge upside. So, but they're not, but they're not stopping there, Spears. No. No, I know. No. But I'm just it's saying I, I like those two guys I mean, for, for Houston mean, a lot. Thibault would be in this discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, uh, not in the Sixers rotation. So I, I think it's hard for the Sixers to, uh, you know, really push hard on hold on to them. And they would probably want draft picks too. Oh, absolutely. And and look, the 76ers will probably want P.J. Tucker too. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways this deal could could grow and expand and all this kind of – but again, I think, I think, I think that's still the most likely partnership. But if you're the Rockets, you're obviously – exploring a lot of different things. You're not putting all your eggs in one basket because, you know, doing that, you have zero leverage. But do you do you think they could get better than that? No, no. I, again, I think Ben Simmons is clearly the best potential centerpiece. I mean, C.J. McCollum is is a heck of a player, um, but he's not, you know, he he's significantly older, right? And if you're the Rockets, this is about trying to stay competitive, but you're going into a, you know, you're, you're trying to build for the next era. So you want a guy you can build around for the next half dozen or more thing, years. Though, guys, I could sit here and, and tell you, I could go to six or seven different teams and build you a case of why they should trade for Harden. I could build you a case, like I said, for Toronto to do it. I could build you a case for Orlando to do it. I could build you a case for Denver to do it. I could build you a case for Portland. I could build you a case for Orlando to do it. And, you know, now you'd say, well, how are these teams going to do it? Well, you trade them your best veteran player, your best young player, and three, you know, two or three first round picks. That's how, you know, you would do it. And um, do I think, you know, you know, just pulling a team out, do I think Orlando could actually 
you know, lead a package with uh, Aaron Gordon and a bunch of firsts. I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, I could build you a case why they could do it. And I think as the season unfolds, we're going to see a team or two in that pack feel like, how do we get out of this pack? How do we do this? And I just don't know where Philadelphia is going to be because I think Philly feels pretty good with where they are to start the season. I think that their lineup changes, their roster changes are benefiting Joel. They, 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 they play through him more at the end of games, um, which he's, which he likes. And I thought was interesting, you know, uh, they've played four games. Ben Simmons has not taken a three and they asked Doc Rivers about it. And Doc was like, I'm fine with it. Unlike Brett Brown, who put all kinds of pressure on Ben Simmons. And it's not to say that Brett was wrong and Doc is right, but Doc doesn't have to put the same pressure on the three-point shot because he has three-point shooters on his roster that he can play to space the floor. It's a, you know, it's it's apples to oranges to a certain extent. And I think Ben likes that. And Ben has praised Doc Rivers. I think Ben is in a good place right now. So the thing about it is, you know, and things happen quickly, but I don't see Philly in the in the mood to do something like that short term anyway. So I think we're I think we're in the same boat as we were two weeks ago with Harden. And I would say really what I is I sit here and evaluate the lay of the land. What I think the race is going to be is is there another team out there that decides they want to go for it and come with with the Godfather offer before Philly makes up its mind either way. Do, do you what. guys think uh, Siakam is attractive at all to Houston? Yeah, but not – I mean, not – I don't think – and I, I have not inquired specifically about him to anybody with the Rockets. I, I don't think they would see him as a young franchise cornerstone. You know, yeah. I think they would kind of put him in this uh, – above a Karis Levert, but, you know, kind of at the top of that same category, a really good player, but not a guy that you're building around for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, Michael Porter Jr. I think would be more attractive and he's obviously there, there, you know, there's a lot of risk reward there, but I know that they feel like the ceiling with Porter is absolutely, you know, superstar, type of of, uh, of player and that's look that's why the nuggets if they want to get involved they absolutely could put together a deal it's not hard to look at that roster you know put porter in the deal make the salaries match and you're talking about picks and that sort of thing you know i tell you what though and i was thinking about this the other night when i was watching rockets nuggets i just i don't think that harden and Jokic would be compatible and I tend to agree, but I could see why Denver would, would think about doing it. No, I could see why, because it's it's definitely, I mean, look, as far as a talent acquisition, I mean, there's <laughs> this guy's an historically elite you know, offensive player, but so much what they do now, and Jokic is so good, is they run everything through Jokic and it's cutter, cutter, cutter. James Harden hasn't cut since he was in Oklahoma City. Well, who is he a good I, fit for? Well, that's the, this is the whole thing. Like, play, that's know? the whole thing. Like, I think the Miami Heat could make a trade for him. I mean, the you know, they probably want Hero and, and Hero and Robinson, and uh, Robinson's an awfully valuable player. Uh, and they could only they can only trade one first round pick right now. They could do a, another deal to, to free them up to trade a second one, but but I don't see if you watch how the Heat play. The Heat play high ball movement high player movement offense. It would be such a dramatic change of style for the Heat. Yeah. Now look, um, the Rockets have they have changed stylistically and it's a couple games in under Silas, but uh you know Harden is more doing what Luca does with the Mavericks than what he did for the last four years with the Rockets. It's not it's you know there is movement now. There they are back with Christian Wood. It's actually a really tough pick and roll, pick and pop uh, a combo. They are back to to playing that way. You know, it's it, there's not it's not just four guys getting your spots and watch hard and work. And you know, if you catch the ball, be ready to shoot. Uh, it's definitely more variety in the offense. But you know, again, Denver and and, and Miami. It's so you know their their offenses are structured so much around uh, the big man's ability to pass the ball and and, and guys moving 
without it that I, I don't know that that Harden's going to adapt that much. I was looking at the Vegas odds yesterday for Harden next team. Now look, you you know, yeah, you know they're not taking million dollar bets here. You know, so the you know these odds are you know more for entertainment purposes. But you know they have their reasons for setting their odds. They have the Sixers at three to two as the most likely trade, which I agree with most likely. Despite the Heat announcing basically that they're out of the sweepstakes, they're the second most likely at five to two. Then the Nets at three to one. I don't think the Nets are happening, like you said. But then the they have the Raptors at five to one, and there's a re there's a reason why they have the Raptors at five to one. You know, there's you know the Raptors are sort of out there in the ether, and then they have the Celtics at nine to one. I just don't see the Celtics trading Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. It would take I don't see them trading Jason Tatum under any circumstances. Right. I could I could see them trading Jalen Brown for the right deal. Um but it's hard to know. Like they they keep saying that Kemba Walker is going to be okay and but I mean, you know, I think Kemba Walker would potentially have to be in that type of trade and how do you trade him right now when he's out indefinitely? So um, I, well, I just I don't see them breaking up the, that twosome, and if they're not going to break up that twosome, I don't see how they could be involved. But I I don't know that Kimball Walker needs to would need to be in there. Um, what's Brown making this year? Uh, it's the first year of his extension. I mean, it would have to be a, a second pretty significant salary. He's I think he he signed for four and a hundred, so his average is about twenty five, but he's probably a little below that. So. Um, uh, I, I had a reason for saying Kemba that I'm not going to go into, um, mm -hmm. because I'm just not going to go into it, but, um, but I mean, the Celtics are on the list. And the reason I think the Celtics are on the list is because again, they're one of those teams that's going to be sitting there in that middle saying, how do we elevate out of this and could Harden be that guy? And I, and I think they've, They've had to at least look at it. I, I don't think it's going to happen, though. I mean, the Celtics, I know that the Celtics have made a couple of giant trades over the years. Um, but more often than not, the Celtics are renowned in the league for, for kicking the tires and then never doing anything. Like you hear right. teams say, oh, yeah, we've talked to the Celtics, you know, six times in the last year and they've never made an offer. You know, they, they dance around it and then they never make an offer. So... I don't think that's realistic. Um, I did want to add one one thing real quick. Um, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I don't think we've seen the best of him if he if he remains healthy. Uh, I remember watching him a couple of years in the Hoop Summit and just seeing he he was playing point uh, with these guys. He I mean and that's what he was playing in high school uh, before he got hurt. He he is just so much better when he primarily has the ball in his hands. That's not going to happen with Joker. I mean, but I am intrigued by what he could be somewhere else when he would have the ball a lot more. Uh, well, from, uh, and, I, and I also think he's a better passer than he's had an opportunity to show, uh, which is perhaps, partially his fault does he have it <laughs> does he have his first career assist yet he, last night he played one of his best get well defensively he got eaten up by the kings last night we'll talk about the kings in a minute defensively he got eaten up by the kings but he had 30 points 10 rebounds and one assist in 40 minutes against the kings last when, night when you talk about his size athleticism and skill set yeah we haven't seen a whole lot like that i mean kevin Durant is obviously the you know the premier dude when in in terms of that that kind of 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 height and length that kind of athleticism and the ability to not just shoot but but create but name another six foot ten dude who has both the athleticism and the skills uh, that Michael Porter does. He averaged, by the way, last year in sixty fifty five games, he averaged point eight assists. But I mean, his role is to spot up and shoot. You know, he gets the ball delivered by Murray or or uh, Morris or uh, Jokic, and his job is to shoot. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. 
Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Speaking of uh, in-season transactions, the Memphis Grizzlies have uh, an unfortunate Mm -hmm. decision to make. Um, What a terrible injury for John Morant. Um, Well, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but I agree. I thought there was a chance of it being a, you know, he was challenging the shot. He was so high in the air and he came crashing down on uh, Timothy uh, Luol, TLC. TLC. Um, There you go. Good job. Put it back out of that one. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have it in front of me, so I, I was guaranteed to mispronounce it. Uh, if, he, if that had been a third-degree ankle sprain, which the way he reacted, I was afraid yeah. that it was, and this is how high. That's a two- or three-month injury. Uh, remember Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. had that th- third-degree ankle sprain and it ended his 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 rookie year in uh, with the Lakers, where he just, you know, people blamed it on his, on his, uh, his shoes. But, you know, he just landed on the guy's foot wrong. Um, he's now out three to five weeks. And I'm going to tell you, like, I, I don't know how his ankles react. Everybody's ankles are different. If I'm the Grizzlies, he ain't coming back in three weeks. You're, you're, you're being careful, especially, look, I don't know when Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be ready to roll. Uh, same with Justice Winslow. You know, when you talk about the, you know, the players that they're building around, it's Morant, Jackson, Winslow, probably one, two, three. Um, and I'm, you know, a few podcasts ago, you asked me, Wendy, about the possibility of the Grizzlies tank. And I'm like, dude, in the Western conference, like they might not need to. And now they're in a, in a, in a spot where, I mean, this could be a really, really tough start. And so then do you start, you know, doing things, uh, resting guys back to back minutes, limits, things like that. I mean, you can make a case that that would be the best route for sure. I mean, Spears. They were a borderline playoff team last year. They probably make the playoffs if they don't go to the bubble. Things didn't go well. Jackson got hurt, but I think they're a um, they're a, they're a player away from being a real serious contender. And it doesn't have to be a number one. Like they're just a like you know I, I, they got their number one. Um, what it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to draft in the lottery, especially since the Grizzlies seem to draft really well. By the way, Desmond Bain, the guy they got with the 30th mm-hmm. pick in a draft night trade, he looks like he's going to be a contributor. They draft well. It might not be the worst idea in the world for them to draft in the lottery this year. Oh, I definitely think um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the tank started, man. I'm putting the gas in it, putting the diesel fuel. <laughs> you're, you're greasing <laughs> the, the uh... snacks in it, you know, <laughs> put some, put some beers and, and, and get it ready, baby. Like it's, with this shortened season, by the time Morant gets back, by the time Jaron gets back, I think to Tim's point, I don't, I don't even know they have to try to tank. Just I, I'd let them chill, let them rest. Uh, obviously, they're young, so you want them to get some games in. But next year's draft is is special to me. Like I agree, they they could get that player. You know, um, whether it's a Kay Cunningham or a Jalen Green, who's out my way playing for the G League, um, that there, there are some, you know, the kid from USC. I mean, there are some special, special kids in this upcoming draft. And they that get could, that player. Then they got their out. three, look and then they're going to be young together and grow for a long, long time. So, so I, let me ask I'm, you this: who who are the richest owners in the NBA? Steve Ballmer, obviously. Yeah. Dan Gilbert, his company went public. He's worth like forty billion. Who are the richest owners? McMahon. Who else? Is, who else is really rich? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to, Cubans I'd have to... up there, right? I don't think he is up there. Okay. I don't think so. I'd like, I honestly, I'd have to look at Forbes, the Forbes list. But I don't. Right. I think Cuban is uh is middle class in terms of ridiculously rich NBA owners. Right. Well, the Nets owner. Oh yeah, Joe Sy, definitely. He's probably in the top three. What if I told you 
that Robert Para, the owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, is one of the richest owners in the NBA now? I believe it. He's what if I told he, you he lives in San Jose? He's in tech country. What if? <laughs> oh, oh man! Wait, do I tell you where he lives, Spears? Oh, he moved. Do you know? Do you know that in the last three years, Robert Para has spent over seventy million dollars on a mansion in Miami, a penthouse in New York City, and a penthouse in Seattle. What if I told you that? And, he, and another seventy million on Chandler Parsons. Right, more than that. <laughs> what if I told you that Robert Para, when he bought the, the Grizzlies, his stock price was at eight dollars, and he and uh, he struggled to put the deal together. He could only buy twenty five percent. It took him four months to raise the money. What if I told you that today his his stock price for Ubiquity Networks traded at two eighty five? And that he owns seventy five percent, and that just in stock value, he's worth over fifteen billion dollars. My bad. point on this is, is that the Grizzlies going forward, and I don't know. Robert Pear is very elusive. He does not give interviews. He does not yeah. come to games. Nobody seems to know where he is. He does a lot of his business in Asia. Um, I went to but, a wedding that he was at. One of my college buddies got married, and he worked for Para, and Para was there. I think uh, you've seen him more than Jaws seen him. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, and that um, was like five years ago. So uh, I'm just like you know, and, like you mentioned that the Parsons signing. He obviously showed a few years ago he's willing to spend money. Mm-hmm. If I could invest in some, I should I should have bought the Ubiquity Network six years ago. Is what I should have bought, but. I would buy stock in the Grizzlies because not only do I believe that highly in John Morant, I think that their their front office drafts well, and I think they're going to continue. I think they're going to get to draft. And I think when the time comes, even though they're in one of the smallest markets, you're going to see spending from Robert Pear when it matters because That's he's got not. a ton of money. And people don't – and he bought out – you know, two years ago he bought out his partner, so now he owns over 50%. People don't, because he's so reclusive and people don't talk about the Grizzlies and whatever. And look, I don't know what he, because he doesn't ever talk about his plans. I don't know just because he's got all this money. I don't know if he intends to spend it, but my guess is he will. And so I think when the time comes, I think the Grizzlies are going to spend. And I think the Grizzlies are headed for big things, assuming Morant can go on the path that, you know, that, that we, See, I mean, the, the thing about John, it's very unusual for rookies to impact winning and losing. Um, Luca did a little bit as a rookie, but even that. They stunk. He, yeah, they yeah. stunk. LeBron did a little bit, but he didn't care. They were better, but he didn't do it. Ja made a material difference. And he, the and he, and he joined that already had a you know a very young actually just about a month older than him franchise cornerstone in place like Jaron Jackson Jr is a stud I, yeah. I would he at some point he needs to actually rebound the basketball obviously he needs to stay healthy first but we're talking about a dude who is an elite three-point shooter as an athletic six foot 11 dude I mean he is an elite three-point shooter yeah, now they said he's grown a couple inches too. Yeah, and I mean, he's an elite three-point shooter. He can be a rim protector. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that makes you think this guy's kind of a perfect modern-day big man. Again, he needs to grab a rebound. My point is they've got two 21-year-old franchise cornerstones already in place. And, you know, Zach Kleiman in his first year as general manager showed that he will be aggressive and he will be ruthless. Um, you know, and, and he will look for. I didn't like the I didn't like the Winslow trade, but I didn't either. But, but Winslow hasn't even played a second for them yet, so how right. can I? Yeah, I, I I didn't like that, but I did like the way he handled the Iguodala situation, and whether it was popular or not, who gives a crap? When you're, look, his job is to do everything he can to make the Memphis Grizzlies better. So that you know, paying same as uh, Sam Preston, Oklahoma City. There's a reason he's not just going to pay. Trevor Ariza to go away. To go but away. You know what? Even with all the money that Para has, I, I still think next year's draft is paramount for them. I yeah. agree. Compared I agree. to free agency. I and I would I, I would don't say, see guys going to Memphis unless 
I mean, you, you see them. I mean, Luca did what he did, but the attractiveness of there's a lot of Dallas is attractive as a city too. I just no, no, I agree with you, Spears. I'm not saying that they're a free agent destination, but they could trade for guys and sign guys and spend yeah. money to you know and bring or, guys in. Or you know, they can, they can be in position to overpay in free agency while these guys are on a rookie on rookie deals. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But I would like yes, and um, like I said, they've drafted well. Um, that's why Dylan Brooks becomes an interesting character because they signed him to an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they go hunting with Dylan Brooks to see what he could bring back and trade in the next year, especially if they're able to hit on another draft pick. So I just, you know, so while if you're a Grizzlies fan today, you're feeling down and you're like, <laughs> you're talking about tanking in the in the second week of the season. I got it, but. It could, it could end up being uh, something that yeah. is going to be a huge uh, blessing in the skies yeah. in the end, kind of like, uh, like Warriors getting Wiseman. James Wiseman is so good. Oh, my yeah. God. He made a play last night. Was it two nights the, ago? With the block and the dribble the oh length of the court and dunk. Yeah. He looked like Giannis on that play. By the way, I think the Warriors should tank, too. They got Minnesota's pick. They should get two lottery picks in this draft. Um, then you bring Clay back with, uh, you know, with Draymond, Steph, and Clay. Those are your veterans. You have Wiseman, and then you get two lottery picks potentially in this upcoming draft, or you use those two lottery picks to to flip up to to try to maybe move up in the draft. And I mean, look, Draymond hasn't played a second, yeah. you know, and, and they came out of that lot that uh, road trip two and two. I'm just saying. But you know what, Brian? I, I hear you. But Lake of don't have that in him. I know he's paying. He's <laughs> paying eighty million I, the, in tax. He's not paying. And when I saw tax. what they did the last two games, I'm like, hey, once Draymond gets back, Wiseman's going to continue to get better. You know, I think they need to play Pascal a little more. They can. They can get in the playoffs. I mean, I'm not saying they're a top seed. I, I, I bet against it, but I. I, would I could say, see him getting seven and eight. I don't know, man. The Steph is balling. You know what the amazing thing about Wiseman is. He has no clue what he's doing, which means that his ceiling for growth is huge. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got great feet. He's got great hands. He's got great fundamentals. He has got tremendous size. He can run the floor. He can handle a little bit. Like seeing him block a shot, get the loose ball, dribble, Euro step, finish. Yeah. Seeing him come off a screen and roll and get a low pass collected at his shins, rise up and shoot. Oh, I mean, this guy yeah, is it's... exciting. He has no idea where to be on defense. Yeah. He's like, a, he, his, his legs are out there wobbling at times like a, like a newborn deer. That's okay. That's okay. But he is exciting. Um, I buy stock in the Warriors too, just not this year's stock. Yeah. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Spears up your way. Sacramento Kings are three and one. Small sample size, et cetera, et cetera. I thought Luke Walton was going to be in trouble losing his job uh, in the first two months of the season, and this may still happen. I thought this team... uh, was making some strange decisions, but they have looked good. Darren Fox is playing well. And 
I still don't understand. I don't understand why Tyrese Halliburton went 12th in the draft. I, I guess for some reason his agent asked teams to pass on him. But who in their right mind would try to get to Sacramento? I didn't. The concept that he tried to force his way to Sacramento at the 12th pick doesn't hold water for me. Well, and apparently the Mavericks were trying to move up to get him, and other teams weren't, uh, you know, in, in that 8, 9, 10, 11 range, weren't trying to trade. Yeah. And weren't that, trying to draft him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dallas, Golden State, and Boston, uh, they all tried to move up to get him uh, to no avail. And so, I mean, there were a couple teams that, from what I was told, that Halliburton's camp wanted to give information to that weren't interested that were in the top 12, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, you know, you had teams that passed on his medical information. They were worried about maybe a shot mechanics and could he get his own shot, that funky shot he had. Um, you know, but at the same token, like I kind of look at it with Steph Curry. When Steph Curry was coming out, his dad told the Warriors not to draft him. And the Warriors were like, you know, he's not going to work out for the Warriors. You're not going to meet with him. They didn't care. Right. <laughs> they, they're like, we've seen him play. Uh, we know he comes from a good family, so we don't need to interview him. And, and they took him, you know, before the Knicks. They wanted him to go to, with the Knicks. But, you know, the Kings have been awful. Imagine wanting to go to the Knicks and not the Warriors. It just shows you the Warriors come up. Yeah. But, but Halliburton, like, he fell in love with the Kings really being high on him and trying to sell them and letting them know that they thought he was. Whoever says that about the Kings ever. I, I'm shocked ever, too. Ever, ever, ever. I was shocked too. I'm like, why the Kings? They, he, like, 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 you if, know if what? The he, Kings, he, if the he Kings was, had the number two pick and he was trying to talk his way into the number two pick because it's a higher salary, higher profile, better shoe deal. Like I could see somebody, I could see a guy talking his way into the Kings if they were higher yeah. than I was maybe projected. But who talks their way into the Kings at the back? Yeah. No, he, you know, um, Cleveland, Atlanta, Washington, you know. People thought Chicago was it. Now, Chicago really liked Patrick Williams, and there's a lot to like there, and that's fine. But people, there was a while where people in the league thought Chicago was going to take him at four. Yeah. He went 12. Yeah. And he, he was sold on the Kings' pace. He, he was told by a scout that if, if he played for a team that, that had a lot of pace, it would improve how he played. But how does he know the, how does he know the guy who coaches the pace is even going to be there for more than 15 minutes? Well, Aaron Mintz, his agent, is close friends with Luke. So there's a Aaron relationship Mintz, Aaron, there. I understand. And Aaron um, Mintz is one of the most powerful. Uh, but I think he was more, I think he was, uh, from what I'm hearing, he was attracted to playing with, with Fox and them being, you know, speedy up the court together. Um, it, it's, it's really curious, you know? Hey, listen, I mean, it looks good. I'm, I'm not, I'm, but I, but Aaron I did, knows I did what he's hear doing. that, you know, I know, but I'm just saying it's just, the Suns. He was interested. I heard he was interested in going to the Suns, but they didn't really have interest back. Who did the Suns take? Uh, the, um, I don't remember right now, but, uh, that guy. Uh, no, the they, son, have, they, they had the they had the eleventh pick, right? Yeah. I, oh, they I took the uh, they took the uh, the big man, J- J- Jalen Smith. Yeah. Yeah. But by the way, uh, real quick, uh, Cameron Johnson, who the Suns got maligned for taking a year ago, is continuing to look like a, a really nice pick. No, he's, I like him a lot. He's he's uh, doing really well. Um. So, what are we seeing here with, with the Suns, Spears? I mean, how legitimate is this? You mean the Kings? I'm sorry, the Kings. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm not going to get too excited. I was going to say, let, let, let's stop. <laughs> let's let, they, let's get back. They've tricked me before. They've had let's a great get back at the all at the non All Star break, and we can evaluate. Whether I don't think it's going to take that long, but right. I do. I do think there. I do think they have something in Halliburton. I, do, I, I think I, they've got. They have some nice young pieces. I think they are miles away from the Western Conference playoff conversation. I agree, but there's a but, reason to watch them. No, they're 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 very fun to watch. Um 
Buddy Heald might even be returning Luke Walton's text messages. This is so the Kings got offered a draft pick by the Hawks to do a sign and trade for Bogdanovich, and they didn't take the sign and trade, and then they didn't match. And when I heard that, I thought, it's the same old Kings. Yeah. Like, I understand not matching. I, you know, they've got a bunch of money there. I, I get that. Like, he's, uh, I would have matched, but again, I don't answer to the owner who has to answer yeah. to it, you know, to, to at, the at least to have the asset. You know, I, I, when I like, I was like, what's going on? That's that's why yeah. there was there was actual drama about whether they were going to match or not, because it was like, well, they didn't do the sign and trade, you know, so they, they had a sign and trade to get DiVincenzo, which yeah. I thought was a nice trade. OK, that fell apart. Then they had a ch- the chance to get an asset. And, and look, I don't know what the what the pick was. For all I know, it was a top 20 protected first round pick, but it's better than nothing. So yeah. they do that, and I'm like, well, it's the same old Kings. Yeah. But now this draft pick looks like it could, you know, pivot them. So no. I mean, this kid is averaging 10.5 points. He's got more assists than any other rookie. Um, he, he's hit 50 percent of his threes. Smart player. He's got an ugly Kevin Martin type shot, but it goes in. Like he's just, and he's fun to from, watch. From and, damn near the logo last night. Yeah, and talked to Sean Cunningham with the uh, Kings media guys, TV guy, local guy, and he's like, he's also the, a media darling there already too. Uh, they're wishing yeah, they a, could get some time with him, but he's you know, yes, uh, he's he amazing on the zooms too. Grew up playing with Tyler Hero. Wow. Uh, they're not quite from the same area in Milwaukee, but they play together on the same AAU team. I I talked to one of Tyler Hero's youth coaches and. Uh, when they were in like sixth or seventh grade, they came in to play a three-on-three tournament with a bunch of eighth and ninth graders, and they came in and uh, they were signing up. And the guy was like, "Oh, you guys are signing up for the uh, the sixth grade tournament?" They're like, "No, the eighth grade tournament." I don't know about these guys. See yeah, there are two NBA first-round draft picks to walk through the door. <laughs> Guess what? Guess who won? Yeah. Let's um, think Iowa State's got like, damn, we had Taylor Horton Tucker and we had Halliburton. Wow. Where could we have been? You know. Um, all right. Well, uh, I got to run, guys. Um, thank you for uh, thank you, Mr. Spears. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. Everybody out there. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. Everybody have a uh, happy new year and uh, appreciate listening. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.